You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. God put something in my spirit for this morning. And uh, he knows, he always knows exactly who's going to be at church. He always knows who's going to participate in the service today or even to watch it uh, in, in days ahead. And uh, he put into my spirit uh, this morning this passage. And maybe you've heard it before, the verse, or maybe you have never read it before. I don't know. Uh, but Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 13 It says this, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And this morning I want to speak to you for the next few moments on broken cisterns, broken cisterns. God, I thank you for your presence and your spirit that is here today. We felt that, God, throughout the worship, God, we felt your power and presence in a special way. But, God, I pray your word that's already anointed. I pray you would anoint your servant this morning, anoint my heart, my lips, my mind. God, to share forth your word today and let it be, God, according to your purpose and plan this morning. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, The NIV puts it this way. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living waters, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. See, in Bible times, a cistern was an artificial reservoir that was dug into the the earth, and it was either dug into the ground or carved into rock for collecting and storing water. In Israel, they had long, uh, a long dry season with relatively very few natural springs. And so catching the, the water that was from the rain in cisterns was important. But never as important as fresh water. Fresh water was extremely valuable. So a broken cistern was practically worthless. Uh, cracked rock or, or a crumbling masonry could hold only a small amount of dirty water or maybe even no water at all. So collecting and storing water in broken cisterns uh, was really uh, not very practical. It would be kind of like uh, having a sieve for your, for your water bottle. <laughs> you wouldn't get too far out of the house before all the water would be gone out of it. So the prophet Jeremiah, uh, he used the illustration of broken cisterns to point out the extreme foolishness uh, of God's people in that day. Jeremiah didn't just think up some illustration to be a sermon filler. He wasn't, uh, well, I'll see if I can come up with a story uh, to uh, put into my sermon. No, the Lord himself originated and used the picture Uh, that Jeremiah is speaking about. And you can go back to the beginning of the chapter 
of Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 1. Moreover, the Lord, the word of the Lord came to me saying. So Jeremiah said, God told me, go and cry in the hearing of Jerusalem saying, Thus says the Lord, I remember you, the kindness of your youth, the love of your betrothal, when you went after me in the wilderness, in a land not sown. Verse 4, hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, what injustice have your fathers found in me, that they have gone far from me, have followed idols, and have become idolaters? So what Jeremiah is speaking about in verse 13, uh, he's commanded in verse 1 to verse 5, verse 4, he's commanded in those verses to use this as an illustration. See, so the comparison that the Lord is using here is he's going back to the children of Israel coming out of Exodus, and they were wandering in the wilderness. And he compares that to a bride and a groom on their honeymoon, how this miraculous event took place of them coming out of Egypt and miracle after miracle after miracle took place in the wilderness. And, and it was like a, a, a I mean, a, you talk about a, a church event, a, 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 a church on fire, a, a, a revival that's happening. I mean, it was continual things that God was doing. I mean, they crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. They had a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Rock, water came out of a rock. Their shoes, their clothes did not wear out. Manna fell from heaven. When's that happened lately? And when they didn't think that was enough, then came quail. You can go through miracle after miracle that happened to, uh, through this wandering in the wilderness. And, and Jeremiah is writing what the Lord is giving him as instruction. It's like a comparison of the excitement of a bride and groom after they get married. Was it like that for you when you got married, all the married people here? Was it just full of excitement? Gracious, there's awful quiet on a Sunday morning. I can tell you right now, it was full of excitement. And I borrowed a car, because my car wasn't good enough to take on my honeymoon. I borrowed my brother-in-law's car, and we went to the island, and we chose a little cottage. I went back and seen it a few years ago, and I thought, we stayed there. <laughs> Used the money that we received and on the way home, we took the rest of the money and bought groceries. <laughs> and moved into our little 8 by 30 trailer. If you were 6 foot 2, you were too tall. The door was 2 feet wide. You could sit in the kitchen and reach anything you wanted. I mean, we were in love. Weren't we, honey? <laughs> the excitement. That's what the Lord's using as a comparison. Listen, guys, he says, you come out of 430 years of bondage, and this is how exciting it was. You crossed over the Red Sea on dry ground, and you looked behind you, and you saw the enemy consumed. 
I mean, uh, you talk about uh, a, a, a testimony. Uh, we were being chased, and all of a sudden, the water came in over them, uh, enemy, and we no longer saw them. Uh, amen. We walked with the Lord uh, uh, through the day and through the night. His presence was with us. Uh, what an excitement there was uh, when they experienced the exodus from Egypt. That's what he's talking about. He's comparing it to this incredible event to appreciate the full impact of what's being talked about. He uses the illustration of a bride and groom. But something happened that took them backwards. And so the message that we have read to you this morning from verse 13 is really a rebuke to the people that they were no longer totally committed to their God. They lost the excitement of their first love. They lost the excitement of what it was like when God did the miraculous for them. And so to appreciate the full impact of the broken cistern message, you got to take a little uh, a closer look at the historical context of Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 13. Jeremiah preached. He preached in a day when the people of Judah, the southern portion of the nation of Israel, had turned away from their God. The one true God, they turned away. They were no longer devoted to the Lord, and they no longer depended on Him for their spiritual needs. And Jeremiah says they had created cisterns. What was it? It was cisterns of idolatry. An immorality for themselves, hoping that somehow that could bring back the pleasure of what they used to experience before. But folks, it couldn't satisfy their needs. Not surprisingly, the people of Judah found themselves with the cisterns of their own making that were broken and the cisterns didn't uh, uh, didn't just break after holding water uh, the bible says they were broken from the beginning they never held water what they were hoping to find pleasure in had never given them any pleasure they were broken from the day that they were built and they couldn't satisfy no spiritual thirst that they had in their lives. They had nothing. They had become a foolish people that had turned away from the Lord. And the Bible says in this verse that they were guilty of two evils. Constructing an artificial, superficial reservoir was bad enough, but rejecting the water of that life-giving spring was tragic. Imagine a very thirsty person in a very dry land ignoring a bubbling spring to try to find some little pool of water that had been laying there for however long. Can you just, like that doesn't make any sense. No sense. Well, I'm going to try to find some stale, stagnant water. I, I got that, that bubbling spring, that, that fresh water. That, no, I'm going to leave that. I'm going to go try to find a, a puddle. That makes no sense. Makes zero sense. But that's what they were doing spiritually. They had ignored the living water to go after broken 
cisterns. Without a natural spring nearby, a cistern would be maybe the best thing that you could have. If you were unaware of a natural spring, maybe that would be suffice for the time being. But if you knew there was a natural spring, fresh water, you would never drink from the cistern. And God painted the picture in words to show his people how utterly foolish they had become to turn away from him. The surrounding heathen nations could at least uh, be pitied for their ignorance uh, of not knowing about the, the power of that that incredible life spring. Uh, and, and he even says, uh, uh, like they are recognized uh, because they actually don't know. They don't understand. But people who know, people who know about the possibility of fresh water, it would seem foolish to turn to anything but. He says it in verse 10, recognizing the pagan nations. He said, for uh, pass beyond the coast of Cyprus and see, send to Gadar and consider diligently and see if there has been such a thing. Has a nation changed its gods, which are not gods, but my people have changed their glory. For what does not profit? He said, the people who don't know, I can understand, but the people who know, why would you ever change? The people of Judah deliberately turned away from what they knew was their source of living water. And the heavens are even called to be appalled at that choice. You can read in verse 12. He says this, Be astonished, O heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Even the heavens realize they've made a huge mistake. I mean, I can't believe that God's people would turn from living water, fresh water, the fountain. So Judah had committed a twofold sin. Number one, the rejection of the one true living God. Number two, replacing the one true God with powerless false deities. It had become like a leaky cistern, which would have been especially vivid in this type of area at this time. They would have understood there would be no benefit to have a cistern that would not hold water. Pointless. And the example that's being given by Jeremiah, as the Lord inspires him to say to the people of Judah, you have become a broken cistern. See, a fountain is not just, it's not just a spring or natural fountain. It's, I mean, it's fresh water. I've talked about this before, even showed you pictures of it in another message but I was always amazed growing up there was a couple elderly ladies that I always cut their wood for them they lived in a stone house I went by it the other day I was heartbroken to see how it's been neglected the barn is flat the house the windows are all broken it was such a 
a beautiful place when they were alive. But just outside that house on the right-hand side, I will never forget, there was an artesian well. And they had an old washer bottom that the water flowed in and flowed out of. And that became their, it became their fridge for their milk and anything they wanted to keep cold, they would put it in, in jars and put it in that artesian well. Where that water, I had asked, I had asked them how long that that artesian well had been going. And she was 96 or 97 at the time. And, and she said she could remember as, just as a kid that artesian well was, was flowing. It had never stopped flowing summer or winter. Never froze in the winter. And I always was amazed to watch that. You couldn't drink better water than come out of there. It was, it was cold and it was clear. And I'm always reminded of that artesian well of how incredible it was. And to think that that would only be yet a comparison to the power of his fresh water, his living water, his spring of water. And yet the Bible says that the people of Judah, they had rejected the one true living spring. They had set aside that artesian well of water that never dried up, that was always fresh, that was always cool, that was always refreshing. First they forsook God, that fountain of life, that light, that prosperity, that happiness. They parted from the God who, who was their glory, one who had been truly glorious and put honor upon them. And, and they had had confidence in and, and himself had been so glorious to them and time after time after time. Jeremiah writes that these words, they have forsaken me. The Hebrew Collocation brings not only the living God into a more prominent contrast here uh, with other deities or entities. Uh, they have forsaken me, he said. The fountain. The almighty God identified as Yahweh himself. The people that had such a comparison to what would be what would be understood as a bride and groom and so marvelous entering into that relationship. He said, they have forsaken me, the living water. And instead they've turned to broken cisterns. Used for the storage of rainwater, whatever could be contained from maybe off the roof. You see it happen. I, I'm not speaking of it in a bad way, but I, I've been at a camp before that didn't have running water. I mean, it was 
I don't know, 50 miles back in the woods. They didn't have a well. They had three or four big barrels underneath the eaves trough. <laughs> and that was the water. It wasn't the cleanest water to shower or wash your face or none of that. <laughs> but it was water. And it was the best they could have. And understandably so, it was wise to have those barrels of water. However many leaves get in them, whatever. Doesn't matter. They had water. But what he's given an example of is they've turned from fresh living water to the possibility of cisterns. And this is going to be our resource. This is going to be what replenishes us. And then he takes it a step farther. And it's not just cisterns. It's broken cisterns. So it's like having the big tank where the water comes in off the roof with a hole in the bottom. Makes no sense. It's like having a, a hole dug where the water could collect, but there's nothing to keep it from going out. And so he compares this to evil number two, where they have hewn out broken cisterns, where they've not only rejected the one true God, they have joined themselves unto idols. They have connected themselves to idolatry. They have taken their spiritual being and turned it over to something that would not help them in any way. Broken cisterns, vessels that couldn't hold the water. No profit, no glory, only shame. A dishonoring, a dishonor, a disgrace, a disparaging. Uh, where they are put into the hands of, of an en enemy. They have become apostates from God. They forsook God in worshiping him the host of heaven, they turn to then worship it, the sun, the moon, and the stars. And verse 12 says, even the heavens were appalled that they would turn from the living God to the things he had created. He puts into being the sun and the moon. And, and you, can you can read it in the creation story. Just a simple phrase, and he made the stars also. We don't even know how many billions of stars there are. And it's just like an afterthought, and he made the stars also. And the people had turned from the one true God to worship things that he had created. The meaning of this was the people had turned away and and there was an astonishment even from heaven. Why? Why would God's people do such a thing? And why would they ignore a God that's jealous about them and so in love with them and, 
and his water is so fresh and it's so refreshing and and it's giving them such life and why would they turn from and and the consequences of such actions and and they would end up in in, in captivity for 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 decades because of such uh, uh, such consequences of their actions and Jeremiah is explaining uh, that this this acted as uh, such contrary to what would be known as common sense you ever had that happen lately where common sense was not so common I had it happen this week I won't tell about it here you think how is it that common sense just seems to not be able to be grasped and that's what's happening you got these people that have been so miraculously moved upon have such a heritage and they have such stories to tell and they have traded it in for cisterns not only but broken cisterns which cannot hold anything can I tell you that thousands of years ago this took place Yes, the pagan people were guilty of one sin, idolatry. But God's people were guilty of two. They had turned from the one true God and turned unto idolatry. They had turned to self-made schemes looking for spiritual fulfillment apart from the Lord that could never be attained. Only God himself can quench your spiritual thirst. Only God himself. Your job won't do it. Your kids won't do it. Your bank account won't do it. And your toys won't do it. None of those things will quench the thirst. An extended vacation won't do it. Living in a bigger house won't do it. None of those things will quench the thirst. They just become broken cisterns that you try to hold water in that it just seeps out. People are trying to fulfill the longing with so many things. Activities. I'm not against activities. I'm not against the house. I'm not against you having the car. I'm not against any of those things. But they will not fulfill your spiritual thirst. I've watched people drive beat up old cars that love God with all their heart. <laughs> I thought my car was going to last me a little longer. But this week, someone else decided they were going to cream me. And that's what they did. Well, I don't think he decided that. I think he just wasn't paying any attention. Car won't do it. I've got a little thing out there I can hardly fold myself up and get into now. Got to bend in ways that I've never bent before. 
I couldn't even hardly find the doorknob to the top of the back door. It's away at the top of the little tiny windows. Yeah. Didn't know if I was supposed to wear it. It won't satisfy. An increase in job won't satisfy. A great raise in pay is nice, but it won't satisfy. It just becomes like a broken cistern. And the challenges that happen in life, I mean, people are trying everything in their power to satisfy the longing that they have inside. But I'm here to tell you this morning, you've got to go back to the fountain. The fountain is the only thing. That spring uh, of living water, uh, that artesian well that bubbles, uh, hallelujah, in your soul, uh, that's what will satisfy you this morning. Isaiah writes about it in 55, verse 1. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you have, who have no money, come by and eat. Look what he says. If you got no money, Come anyway. It's free. Well, how are you supposed to buy and eat if you got no money? They didn't have credit cards. The water that he's talking about, it's already been paid for. It's already paid for this morning. The price has been paid. Come buy and eat. Yes, come. Buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? This is prophetic of what Jesus is talking about when he gets to the well, Jacob's well, in John chapter 4. He's basically speaking to a lady that comes to this well on a continual basis. She's coming to draw water probably every day. And Jesus answered and said unto her in verse 10, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me to drink, you would have asked of him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said unto him, Sir... You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where, where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinks of this water will thirst again. It will be just like a broken cistern. But, but... Whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never, will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall become to him a fountain. A fountain of water springing up, he said, into everlasting life. He's going all the way back and he's hauling from the words he gave to Jeremiah. And he says, if my people would just get back to the fountain. Fill in the broken cisterns. Fill them in. 
Get them out of your life. Let your focus not be those. Let your priorities be changed and come back to the fountain. Oh, pastor, what what are you saying today? I'm saying everything that's around you in life, no matter how hard you work, will not satisfy Yes, it's necessary to live. Yes, it's necessary to take care of your family. Yes, it's necessary to do your best in life. Have, have ambition and do it to the best of your ability. I have no issues with that. But if you think that that will satisfy your life, you are badly mistaken. Because nothing can satisfy you. Except for the fountain. Everything else, you will thirst again. But oh, when you get into the fountain, the fountain, he said, springing up into an everlasting life. No matter what the day is, no matter what the day contains, no matter what is happening in your life, if you're connected to the fountain, you won't thirst again. John 6, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life, and he who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. You got Jesus in the center of your life. You've got everything you need. If you've got Jesus in the center of of your priority, and everything else focuses around that, you've got everything you need. Everything you need. Because you will never hunger, and you will never thirst if you've got him. He's the bread of life, and he is your fountain. On the last day, John chapter 7, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Music come. That last day, that great day of the feast, that last day was the eighth day of the festival. The day of the holy Convocation or solemn assembly where everyone gathered together. This seems to have been called that great day because the solemn assembly had come and this was the closing scene of the the festival and traditions were going to be done. On the previous days they had offered their sacrifices. This was the day for the Jews only. Because on this day they abstained from all other labor and they regarded it as a holy day. On this day is when they finished the reading of the law and they commenced at the, that they had started a reading at the beginning of the feast. It's on this day that the ceremony of the drawing of water from the pool of Siloam happens. This is the eighth day and it's the last day of the feast and it's customary for that solemn ceremony to happen where they would the priests would take a golden vial 
He would take water from the the, the, the pool of Siloam, the fountain of Siloam, and, and they would bring it to the solemn assembly. It was done with a clamor of trumpets, and they came through the gate of the temple. It was mixed, and they poured it out as a sacrifice on the altar. And it's at that moment that that's happening. This powerful ceremony on the great day of the feast. It's at that moment that the tradition of what they had done for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, that's when Jesus stood. And he stood in the temple in the midst of thousands of people. And he said, If any man thirst, If anyone's longing for more than just a ceremony. He wasn't ridiculing what they had done. He was looking for people who said, I'm not satisfied with what has always happened. He's looking for people that are hungry and thirsty for more than just a golden vial of water that's being poured out from the pool of Siloam. He's looking for people that are not satisfied with broken cisterns. And he says, if any man thirst, let him come unto me. Instead of depending on the ceremony, of drawing water he said let them come to me the Messiah and they will find an abundant supply of water water like they've never seen before he says he that believeth on me as the scripture has said out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me. Just that believing aspect of acknowledging him as the Messiah and trusting in him for salvation. Saying, God, I'm, I'm tired of trying to keep water in the broken cistern. It just drains out. The check goes in by Friday and it seems like by Saturday or Sunday it's back to zero. I just get the car paid for and it, it's time to get another one. Life. Man, I moved into this house. Everything was good. Now it's in dire need of repair. tried my best to do everything right for my family and it seems like every step I take forward I take two back I 
I take my vitamins every day. And yet I just found out. I'm not talking about me. I'm just giving an example. I'm low in B. I'm low in D. I need more iron. You can do it all right and still fall short because life is like a broken cistern. And Jesus said, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me. Let him believe as the scripture has said. He's going back to Isaiah 58 and 11. The single passage that says, Thou shalt be like a water garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. That's what he's comparing it to. And he says, If that person will come to me, then out of his belly... Your heart, the center of your attention, your number one priority, the midst of your life, he says. That's what he's talking about. Not talking about your gut. He's talking about the center of your life. He's talking about where your heart is. He's talking about what your focus is on. What your priority is based upon. He said, if you got that right, out of that will flow rivers, rivers. That's an abundant supply. Folks, that never dries up. Hallelujah, that's constant. It will always keep flowing. The Spirit can never be used up. Out of the center of your life, will flow a constant river. Not of stale, stagnant, diluted, poisoned. You don't have to get his water tested. It won't cost you 50 bucks. His water flows freely. It flows clear. It flows clean. It flows constant. It is a living water. Hallelujah of life. Blessing. Constant. Hallelujah flow of His Spirit in your heart. I don't know about you. But I'm not not interested in digging some broken cistern in my life that will be empty by tomorrow be empty by this afternoon I'm not interested in putting my hope and trust and reliance on something I don't know is going to be there or not don't put it in life people don't put it in the government don't no seriously don't put your trust in any of that stuff You can respect it and honor it. I'm okay with that. But don't put your trust in it. Don't put your trust in stuff. That's got holes in it. That's all like broken cisterns. But if you thirst, you can come to him this morning. And out of your life, the center of your being, 
will flow a river of living water. It will cleanse out the impurities. It will cleanse out all the things out of your life that don't taste good. It'll cleanse out all the stuff that you don't need. All the things that you you don't have to have in the center. You can just push that to the side. God, out of my very priority is flowing you this morning. I refuse to be a broken sister. Would you stand today? God placed in my spirit this message for this morning. Maybe someone that's under the sound of my voice today, watching or listening online, whatever the case might be. Maybe maybe things have just kind of got pushed to the side a little bit. And maybe they're not in the center of your life the way they should be. Maybe that fountain has it's been flowing, but it's not what you've been getting your sustenance from it's not what you've been focusing on in life maybe it's maybe it's just been pushed to the side oh it'll never stop flowing church it didn't stop flowing in Jeremiah's day either what what happened is they turned from the true living God and they thought that they could do it a better way and even the heavens were appalled at why God's people would ever turn away from the living fountain. The fountain's flowing this morning. It's not because it's this church. It's because it's the fountain. The fountain's flowing. Hallelujah. But you're in the presence of God this morning. You're in His very presence. And this is a good day. go back to sayings that happened in my childhood brother Dudley always said it this way get under the spout where the glory comes out you don't have to push anyone aside this morning it's a big spout it's a big spout hallelujah you just desire to get under that spout where the glory comes out the fountain of living life Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.